Welcome back. This is the Welcome to the Jungle Podcast, Week 9. Hard to believe we're already here. Week 9 preview edition. The Bengals this Sunday taking on their arch rivals, the Cleveland Browns, the Battle of Ohio, a crucial game, a crossroads game for both teams. But let's get right to the big news heading into the matchup at 9.53 a.m. this morning. Ian Rappaport of NFL Network tweeting, that sources say that the Browns are releasing star wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. as the two sides came together on a resolution to end his Cleveland tenure at long last. He's out and he'll head to waivers. Justin, I think this was a long time coming. And now the Browns will be entering this game without OBJ. Your thoughts? I mean, it feels like the last two offseasons we've always heard you know, OBJ trade talk, you know, something about moving OBJ. Um, so I'm not really that surprised. Obviously, it all kind of came to a uh, head-on collision when OBJ's dad posted that 11-minute long video, essentially calling out Baker Mayfield for not throwing the ball to his son. And um, that kind of, you know, got Kevin Stefanski not very happy and kicks OBJ out of practice um, the last couple of days. And now they're planning on releasing him. So... Um, I completely understand the move by Kevin Stefanski and the Browns. You know, you don't want that distraction. You're a team that's only a game or two out from the first place lead in the AFC North and, you know, want to make the playoffs again after making them last year. So, you know, you don't want any distractions right now. And with the amount of injuries that they have, it's easy to get distracted and get down on yourself. So to have a guy in the locker room who's, um, you know, complaining about not getting the ball enough, that's definitely a distraction. So I completely understand the move and, uh, now I'm just hoping that he doesn't go anywhere else in the AFC North unless it's the Bengals. Obviously, all three teams in the AFC North, and you say that, I think they could use another receiver. The Bengals the Bengals may be the team that don't need another receiver because they have three really good ones in Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. But you mentioned one thing, Justin. The Browns are 4-4. Four and four. They're still right there. You can't disregard the Browns. I think, you know, earlier in the week, I was, um, for one, uh, so confident that the Bengals were going to win this game Sunday that because Cleveland has lost three of their last four, they've looked ugly in two of them. And in, even in their win, it wasn't all that much of an impressive win, a three-point win over Denver, which I could argue they are only three points better than Denver, a team they have the same record as. So it's been a struggle for them, but they know they're right there and they want to get rid of that distraction. And here's the interesting part of this. So all this week, the the talk has been around what's wrong with Baker Mayfield, you know, where, what's going to happen with Odell Beckham Jr., and there's this excerpt from an article uh, in USA Today, Maria Reidenauer of the Akron Beacon Journal for USA Today Sports uh, wrote an opinion that Baker and Odell's um, crisis, or I'm sorry, um, controversy, conflict, is going to make this a full-blown crisis for the Browns. Here's the excerpt, though, that stands out to me. It is Kevin Stefanski's job to keep the team together. Kevin Stefanski, of course, being the head coach of the Browns. For a few more months, he must manage two larger-than-life personalities in Beckham and Mayfield and try to get the Browns to the playoffs when Beckham may turn it on in the national spotlight. Of course, now he won't get that opportunity to do that with Cleveland, nor will he now end his career having had the opportunity to do so in the playoffs. So, as reigning NFL coach of the year, Stefanski tries to save his season marred by major injuries. The burden falls on him. It will be a greater test than watching an AFC wildcard victory from his basement. So the Browns have figured this out. Does that still make them a team that you worry about, Justin? 
Yeah, of course. I mean, they still have arguably the best running game in the entire NFL. They still have good weapons on offense, and Baker Mayfield is a good quarterback. Obviously, he has that shoulder injury, so he's not playing up to his full potential. I'm not saying Baker Mayfield's a great quarterback. He's a good quarterback, good enough to lead him to the playoffs. Like last year, and they have a very good defense with the best pass rusher in the entire NFL, Miles Garrett, as well as a very good secondary. So they're still a very talented team, a team that you cannot take lightly. Any week, yeah, they're 4-4. Four and four. Baker Mayfield's hurt. Um, they have an entire team's worth of injuries. I mean, their injury report, so long. It's insane. Um, we'll get to that in a minute, but um, this is not a team you can take lightly. They have players all over the field on offense and defense that can make plays um, when you least expect it. So if you go into this game expecting, okay, well, it's going to be easy because Baker Mayfield's hurt. He doesn't have Odell Beckham. He's going to have to force some balls to some other guys. Um, thinking back last year, you know, he hit Donovan's people's Jones with one, probably the last guy you thought might win the game winning touchdown or score the game winning touchdown, but that's to score the game winning touchdown over Darius Phillips. And um, so you can never discredit any player on this team because um, on any given game, they can go off against the Bengals or any team in the NFL for that matter. That's a great point you bring up there because Beckham got hurt in last year's game, as you mentioned, in the first quarter. And Baker Mayfield, I think, only threw, what, one, two, or three incompletions in the second half. The Browns did not face a third down in the fourth quarter. That's how good their offense was that day, even without Odell Beckham Jr., who some still regard as a top-tier wide receiver in the league. I don't think that's the case. I thought he, he hasn't been top-tier for a long time. So, Justin, you mentioned the injury report. Let's look at that. Uh, yesterday, Donovan Peoples-Jones, as you alluded to, he's questionable. He's que uh, Excuse me. He is questionable, yes. With a groin injury, he was limited at practice yesterday. Jarvis Landry with a knee, he's questionable, returned to a limited practice yesterday. And then you look at what we saw on Wednesday. I mean, look, I mean, think about these players. Questionable. G-Trick Wills, their left tackle. J.C. Treader, their center. Uh, Jadavian Clowney's questionable. And then you go back to Tuesday. Denzel Ward is questionable. John Johnson the third questionable back on uh Monday, Jack Conklin is going to be out after dislocating his elbow. That's a painful injury, by the way. So there are a lot of injured players on this Browns team. But who do they do have? Well, we are going to see Nick Chubb, as far as I'm concerned. Kareem Hunt's not going to play, but you're still going to face Nick Chubb. And this Browns uh, ground attack, if their offensive line's healthy, their right tackle's going to be out. That should make life easier for Sam Hubbard. But you also have to remember that, you know, an offensive line is five players. And if one player is out, that still leaves four. And for an offensive line like the Browns, that is the paving of the way for the top rushing attack in the league. It's not going to, it's, it's, that doesn't mean it's going to be easier because Nick Chubb is a bruiser, as we have seen. And think back to last year's first Bengals Browns game, that Thursday night football game. The Browns absolutely shredded the Bengals on the ground. And if you think that they're going to come into the game, um, you know, obviously knowing Baker has that shoulder injury and it's probably a little uncomfortable uncomfortable for him to throw the ball and now you're missing your best wide receiver in Odell Beckham where you just released him. Um, if you think that they're not going to take every opportunity to absolutely shred you in the run game, then you're insane because they are going to feed Nick Chubb all freaking day. I could see him getting upwards of 25 carries. I mean, he's going to get an entire workload. And um, the Bengals have to be ready for it. I mean, obviously, you have to be ready for Baker Mayfield. I mean, you can never discredit him despite his uh, shoulder injury. But 
like you mentioned, Jarvis Landry, he's been dealing with an injury. Odo Beckham's gone. Donovan Peoples-Jones is dealing with an injury. So they're very limited uh, at the uh, wideout position. But um, you have to be ready for Nick Chubb. I don't care if they don't have the one-two punch in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb can punish you all day long. Um, so I'm just hoping that this Bengals defense can step up to the challenge. Don't have that hangover from the bad Jets loss. Um, coming to this game, low energy again. Um, looking like you're playing for nothing. And, you know, you have to come out there with a vengeance and a fire in you and uh, hopefully turn this thing around. Because if you win this game, that's going to be a huge, huge uh, momentum changer going into the bye week. And let's talk about that because the Bengals are 5-3. and three. They're coming off a loss to the New York Jets, a, a game that I think you and I both agree that they should not have lost. But they did. Life in the NFL, sometimes it is unpredictable. Sometimes things don't go according to plan. So the Bengals come in 5-3. and three. The opportunity that they have in this game is to get to 6-3 and three before the bye week. I think if you would have told any of us before the season started that the Bengals were going to be 6-3 and three before the bye week, we would have taken that in stride. Here they are with the opportunity to do so. 3-0 and in the division also comes with that. Justin, the Bengals have an opportunity to go to 3-0 and in the division with a win over every other team in the division. So that means when they play them again in the second half of the season, they will have the opportunity to sweep them. The Steelers, the Ravens, they get both those teams at home, and the Browns, they get them in January, and who knows where the Browns will be by that point. The opportunity is massive here, but should the Bengals lose and fall to 5-4? and four? Yeah, they're still 5-4. and four. They're still over 500. They might still be in the thick of the playoff race, depending on how other teams fare this week in the AFC, but you talk about losing two straight going in, into the bye week and losing to Cleveland and all the drama and injuries that they have, that's not going to make for a good two weeks in Cincinnati. So based on that, how important is this game to you? This is huge. This could be the biggest game of the season because anytime that you're about to go into a bye week, following a really bad loss to a team that I think everybody thought the Bengals should be in the Jets after, especially after we saw them uh, get absolutely housed by the Colts last night. Now everyone's like, okay, how did the Bengals not beat that Jets team? Um, this is a game that you really, really need to win. You're facing the Browns with a hurt quarterback missing their best wide receiver that they just released, and they have probably the longest injury report of any team in the entire NFL. Um, not to discredit their other players and say that they're still not a talented team, but you're playing them at the best possible time. If you're playing them at the very start of the season when they are fully healthy, I'd say that was worse than what it is now. Um, and to go into the bye week, and then you have – a very, very difficult schedule on the opposite side of the bye week. I believe the first game after the bye week is on the road against Las Vegas, which is going to be a huge game because Las Vegas is playing very, very well despite the absence of John Gruden and everything that's going on over there in Las Vegas. Um, so this is a must, must win. And like I've always said, if you want to win and make it to the playoffs, you have to win in your division first. It doesn't matter. Well, it's not just me. It's, you know, everyone says that. Zach Taylor says that on a weekly basis. But – if you want to win and make it to the playoffs, obviously you won't need to beat the teams outside of your division, but if you win your division, go undefeated in your division, then that's really is what that's is what it was that is what is gonna pay you in the playoffs. The emphasis the, the emphasis on winning the division, it, it has been harped on by Zach Taylor, and you heard it leading up to the Ravens game, you know, I think we view that game as a measuring stick. So the Bengals win that game, and that made people think, okay, well, are the Bengals the team to beat in the division? But 
You know, you talk about not only that, but the progress this team has made. If you lose to the Browns, then all that progress you made with beating the Steelers on the road, you know, coming so close to beating Green Bay and thrashing the Ravens, how how legitimate is that progress? And I think that's why this game is so important. You know, going into the season, I think many of us thought the Browns were the more talented team. I would agree with you on that. But something in me was like, you know what? The Bengals are playing at home. After what happened last year at home against the Browns, are they really going to allow that to happen again? And I don't think they will. So, I mean, you mentioned it, that there are no easy games after this. There are no easy games the remainder of the season. Las Vegas sure, sure isn't going to be easy. The Bengals more than likely will be underdogs in that game. They come home and face the Steelers. I know the Bengals are more talented than the Steelers. They play a better brand of football than the Steelers, but the Steelers are playing better are playing better football. The Chargers come in next. You can't take them lightly, even though they haven't looked good the last two games. Then you got the Niners. They might turn it around. Denver on the road, never easy to go there in December. Baltimore and Kansas City at home, those aren't going to be easy. And then at Cleveland in January, that's not going to be easy either. So every game from here on out matters. And I think... We look back to the Jets game, and as terrible as it was, the one good thing that can come out of that is that is going to serve as this team's wake-up call. You know, they have to understand that every game matters. And we saw that a little bit against Chicago. You know, the Bengals, you know, they celebrated a little bit too hard, we heard, after that win over Minnesota. And it came back to bite them. They weren't ready to play Chicago. They came out flat in that game, Chicago. Smoke blood in the water. But here's the, here's the thing, Justin, and I heard this earlier this week. Does it say anything to you that despite the Bengals coming out flat, despite the defense giving up 512 yards of offense to a team led by a backup quarterback, despite Jamar Chase having the worst game of his rookie season, does it say anything to you of how talented the Bengals team is if they're up 11 points midway through the fourth quarter despite all that... Didn't go right for them on Sunday? I mean, I think it says more about their inability to finish more than anything. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have a good game. No no team in the NFL is going to have a great game every single week. I mean, it's just plain and simple. It's not going to happen. Um, you know, really good teams might have a bad game, but still find ways to win. And that was just not what the Bengals did on Sunday. So they played really poorly on defense, obviously gave up a million yards after the catch. Um, just let Mike White throw for... 400 plus yards in his first career start and then the Bengals offense was just very flat at certain points um, they just couldn't get anything going but to be up 11 with only a few minutes left in the game and then to lose that game I think that speaks to the message that Zach Taylor was sending at that moment saying you know just play conservative or well, now you're playing a conservative because he threw that play action pass that was intercepted um, it's just not playing smart football it's just not being a smart head coach so, yeah, I mean, yeah, they played well and were up by 11 with a few minutes left when on a day that, you know, I don't think the whole team was energized or, you know, came out ready to play. But the fact that they even lost that game was very, very concerning. And that concerns me with what Zach Taylor is saying on the sidelines with, you know, that lead with only so many minutes left saying, OK, well, we got this in the bag. We don't really have to worry about what we're doing. OK, well, you know, a Jets team that's hungry with only one win going into that game with a uh, new starting quarterback, um, they're going to want to capitalize and finish off that game and win against a vulnerable Bengals team. You're right. And bad things can happen when you let a bad team hang around. And that's what happened. When the Bengals went up 11, 
I'm thinking, okay, force a punt. Maybe the Jets, you know, go on the go on a long drive, but they take it down to about three minutes. No, the Jets scored less than three minutes later. That's another problem here. And you mentioned their inability to finish. And has it been a problem this season? I don't necessarily think it's a big problem this season. They finished against Minnesota after giving up a 14-point lead. They nearly did at Chicago. They closed the door in Pittsburgh. They came back and beat Jacksonville. Closed strong at Detroit and Baltimore. So, again, I think what it is, Justin, and I do agree with you, their inability to finish a game that they really should have, not really should have, that they absolutely should have, but this is still a young team. This is still a team in development mode, and they did not know how to play when they were at the top of the division, at the top of the AFC. And look, I mean, you there's, there's a lot we can say about last week. We've already talked about it. I think at the end of the day, the Bengals just did not have a good day. And that's life in the NFL. I mean, I've mentioned so many times, Indianapolis would go to Jacksonville or Houston back in the Peyton Manning days, and they'd lose. And you'd wonder why the heck they did. Sometimes you just have a bad day. Sometimes the matchup isn't very good. How many times did New England go to Miami and lose? The, I mean, these things can happen. Kansas City at Vegas, or I'm sorry, back in the day, Oakland, they would go out there and lose to the Raiders. So these things... These things happen, and what you have to do is you have to move on from this. And if you're Joe Burrow, you know you have to understand that you can't be reckless with the football. I understand they've Paul Darren Jr. talked about this this week. They've they've been making good plays off script. That's fine, but you have to be smart with the football. You can't. I mean, Marlon Humphrey's interception in Week Seven. It could have been the turning point of the game had it not been for the Bengals' defense in the fourth quarter. And then you think about. His interception last week, it cost him the game. I mean, Jay Morrison said it before week six. Joe Burrow has to be better if this team is going to get to where it wants to go. Overall, on the road trip, he was very good. Unfortunately, he made one mistake at the end in the final game of the three-game swing that cost the Bengals the chance to go 3-0 on the road trip. But I still think he's going to come out ready to play. And it's funny, Justin, if you didn't know who he was, Prior to last season, which I think we all, I think everybody did because of his historic season at LSU, but his arrival on the NFL scene was against the Browns in Cincinnati week seven when he threw for 406 yards. He has two 400-yard passing games already in his career. You know how many Andy Dalton has? One. So just throwing it out there that... Joe Burrow got better the second time around he played Cleveland. Do you think he'll do that again this time? I think so. And with the amount of injuries that they have, you know, I think it's very easy um, for Joe, a guy like Joe Burrow who capitalizes off of, you know, mistakes that maybe some of the backups might make um, and is eager to capitalize on some of these guys being out. But I think the biggest thing is just protect Joe Burrow from Miles Garrett because Miles Garrett from what we've seen in the first two games that Joe Burrow played in against him, just absolutely destroyed Jonah Williams in this offensive line. Now, do I think Jonah Williams has taken a step since last year? Absolutely. He's taken a huge step. He's been very, very good so far this year, arguably our best offensive lineman, maybe other than Quentin Spain. Um, so I think him and Riley Reef, um, you know, depending on what side of the ball Miles Garrett is on, I have a lot more faith 
and Jonah Williams and Riley Reef than what I did last year. I do, still do think that Miles Garrett, he's going to make plays. He's going to get to the ball. He's going to, you know, probably have a sack or two. And it is what it is. I mean, you can only do so much against the best pass rusher in the NFL, maybe one of the best pass rushers that we've ever seen. He is just so dynamic. He's so good, um, makes so many plays. But I think one thing the Bengals can't do is get complacent. You can't be up by two touchdowns with a couple minutes left and be complacent and saying, okay, well, we're fine with this lead. Uh, we just got to, you know, play conservative and hold on to it. No, you got to, you know, make sure that you don't lose that lead. You got to make sure that you're getting the ball to your playmakers and that they're getting first downs and that you're running the clock out. So I think that's what's, what's going to be really, really huge. And we know that the Bengals are a good team. And I, I want to bring it back to some of these games that you mentioned. We know that they're good enough to beat the, a team like the Ravens, um, 41 to 17, because we saw it with our own eyes. And we know that they're a good enough team. Um, to beat the really, really bad teams by a lot of points, like the Detroit Lions game. And we know that they took the Packers, who I think is the best team, the Packers of the best team in the NFL right now, in my opinion, down to the wire. So we know the Bengals are a very, very good team. And you mentioned it, like the Patriots will go into Miami and lose some of those games and games that no one thought that the Patriots would lose and they would lose them. Um, so the Bengals, I think, just had that type of game where they went into New York, they were complacent, um, they didn't have any energy and they just lost. And that's, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, obviously, everyone's very upset because you shouldn't have lost that game against Mike White and the Jets, but it happens. Um, but we know who the Bengals team are, uh, Bengals team is, and we know who Joe Burrow is. And we know that this team can be almost any team in the NFL when they're hot because um, we've seen it. And so you go into this game, I think Joe Burrow is going to have a very, very good game. Um, he's going to take advantage of some of the missing guys of the Browns. Um, I think this defense is going to have a huge rebound game um, after playing so poorly against the Jets. This is, to me, a blood-in-the-water game because the Browns have gone the whole week with speculation of what's going to happen with Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know if they're in the right—I don't know what their mindset is. Baker Mayfield's certainly not healthy right now. You know, the Browns' ground game is still something to be weary of. But here's the thing. The Bengals' defense is more equipped to stop it with Larry Ogunjobi, former Browns' defensive tackle. He went up against Nick Chubb in practice every day the last— really, um, three seasons, and you think about Kareem Hunt's not going to be there, this this Bengals defense, I think, is much more equipped to stop the Browns' offense. And you can say it's dynamic, but I haven't seen much from Baker Mayfield this season to make me a believer in him. By the way, Miles Garrett, this is ridiculous. Ten and a half sacks, 11 tackles for loss, and he's only played in eight games. He's on pace for... 20, I mean, he could break the single-season sack record. It's not that inconceivable. And against a Bengals team that he has torched, that he torched last season, I think he had two forced fumbles last year against the Bengals, one in the Thursday night game in Week 2 and the other in the Week 7 game here in Cincinnati. So that you do have to, you do have to um, be weary of him. And whoever goes up against him, whether it be Jonah Williams at left tackle, Riley Reef at right tackle, they're going to have their work cut up for them, but is this offensive line better suited to face him? I will say this, Justin. You, you talk about Cleveland and preseason expectations and how they fared. Um, the Texans played them to a 10-point game, and I thought Houston looked pretty damn good in that game. Yeah, I mean, the Browns are definitely, they've definitely taken a step back since last year. I mean, with all of the, that's gone on with Baker Mayfield's injury and, you know, this whole OBJ debacle, um, you can completely understand why they're at 4-4 four and, four and last in the AFC North, but um, 
by no means are they a bad team. By no means are they a team that you're going to go in there and um, just say, okay, we're going to win this game because they're last in the division. They're four and four. No, the Bengals have five wins. They have four. If you think we're up by a lot on them, then that's not true at all. Um, it's just not going to happen. Um, but yeah, I think it definitely does play to the Bengals' advantage that they have a guy like Larry Ogunjobi in the building who's familiar with the Browns' run game, who's familiar with the Browns' offense because he went up against it every single day in practice. He saw it every single day. Um, and against Baker Mayfield, he knows what their tendencies are. He knows what they're going to do um, on certain downs. So I think it really plays to the Bengals' defensive advantage, um, and especially going into a game like the Ravens where they said, okay, we have a very, very set game plan for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens' offense. Um, Lou Anarumo and the defense did a fantastic job to hold Lamar Jackson and the Ravens' offense only to 17 points in that game and make Lamar Jackson look silly at times. I mean, it was a very, very good defensive game plan. Um, so I think going into this Browns game, they're very, I don't want to say they're one-dimensional, but, you know, having Nick Chubb and obviously Kareem Hunt's not playing this game, but when he does play, they're a very, very run-heavy team, and they're very good at it. So I think Lou Anarumo and Larry Ogunjobi and the rest of this defense are going to put in a great week of practice. They're going to have a great game plan set up, and they're going to end up, you know, doing a very good job, as good as you can against Nick Chubb, because he's just so good and so dynamic and so fast and powerful. Um, but I think what they can do, they will do, and they're going to end up going out there and having a very good day on defense. The other thing I think about is I think the Bengals are the more talented team. I really do. I think they have played better this season than Cleveland. And, again, it's a blood-in-the-water game. I think the Bengals are the better team. And it's a game where you need to knock the Browns out because you'd be two games up on them. You would be at least a half game up on Pittsburgh and a half game behind the Ravens. Like, this game, the importance of this game, because you technically could be and I'm not serious, and I'm not kidding when I say this. You could be in last place if you lose this game, because then Cleveland has the tiebreaker. That is how big this game is. You can be in first place if the Bengals win and the Ravens lose, or you can be in last place if the Bengals lose and the Steelers win. I mean, the, the what is riding on this game is enormous. Let's talk about Jamar Chase quickly. He did not have a great game last week. Three receptions, 32 yards. He dropped two passes, including a touchdown. Are you concerned about him and the drops, or are you, or are you concerned that defenses have figured out how to defend him? What, what, should, what, what are you thinking about Jamar Chase going into this game? I'm not concerned with Jamar Chase at all. I mean, similar to the team, it was just a down week for him. Um, but obviously, it kind of reflected. I think his poor play in that game. You know, he did have a touchdown, but I mean, what he had three catches for 32 yards. I believe um, it wasn't a great game, and I think that reflected on our offense, and it just wasn't as explosive. But then you have a guy like T. Higgins who had four catches for 97 yards, and uh, I believe I, uh, that's just coming off the top of my head. I'm not 100% sure. And then Tyler Boyd with the touchdown. So even if Jamar Chase has a bad game, you still have these other two great wide receivers um, back there that can go out and make those plays. So am I worried about Jamar Chase? No, not, whatso- not at all, not whatsoever. I mean, I think he's a great wide receiver, um, great players, um, will be great no matter what. Um, I think if you doubt a guy just from one game moving forward, a guy that's, what, fifth in the NFL in receiving yards as a rookie, um, leading all rookies in receiving yards by a country mile, not even close. Um, and when you have a guy like that who is already maybe top 10, top 15 wide receivers in the entire NFL, um, you shouldn't doubt him after one game. 
every guy's going to have a down game. No matter how good you are, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, they have down games. It just happens. Um, but I do think that he can't let those drops, like they did in the preseason, get to him, and it starts becoming a mental thing. Like Joe Burrow said, it's just a mental thing. Because um, if it happens once, then it might happen twice, and it just becomes a continuous streak. So break that men- – and, you know, I mean, obviously, I don't think that he has that mental block anymore because he's done such a good job this year. But, um, you know, just take this game – um, get that mental block away, and then catch some early passes, and then you're going to have all the confidence in the world back in yourself, and then you're going to end up making those plays like you were the entire season. T. Higgins, four, uh, four receptions, 97 yards in the win on, or I'm sorry, the loss, I wish it was a win, the loss on Sunday at the Jets. Justin, do you think, and I kind of think this too, Chase has an off game, and you mentioned the other two receivers that they have in Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd had his first touchdown since week three last week at the Jets. T. Higgins has not caught a touchdown since week two, and yet Joe Burrow has thrown for 16 touchdown passes since week two over the last six games. So is this something where, you know, Chase is going to grab all the headlines for a few weeks at a time, but then maybe Tyler Boyd, if he has a t- if he has another touchdown on Sunday, maybe two, or maybe T. Higgins gets in on the action. Is it going to be one of those things where, you know, one receiver's getting all the headlines for a few weeks and then another for the next few weeks. And as long as the Bengals are winning games, that's a good thing to have. Yeah, of course. And I don't think it matters who you throw to, who gets the big game, the 100-yard game with the two touchdowns. It doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, we've seen games this year, like T. Higgins in the Jets game. He had a great day. Um, C.J. Uzama, he's had a great day. Tyler Boyd, he had his, uh, you know, a really good game against the Jaguars, I believe 120-plus yards. Um, Jamar Chase has just been a killer all season, so he's done a great job. Um, and they're very unselfish. This is one of the most unselfish Bengals teams I've ever seen to have three guys following the Jets' loss come to the press conference to say, I have my brothers back. We're going to be fine. Um, and we have the mo- utmost confidence in ourselves and each other to turn this thing around because this is a game that we shouldn't have lost. Um, they're very unselfish, and they're very cohesive, and they're very uh, much a family in that locker room. So. They don't care. They don't care. Tyler Boyd's even said they've asked him about it, about his lack of production because Joe Burrow is throwing the ball to Jamar Chase a lot. And Tyler Boyd just said, I don't care who gets the ball as long as we're making plays and as long as we're winning games. And that's what they've been able to do so far this year. I mean, they're 5-3. and three. Obviously, they've had some tough losses, but it is what it is. Um, no team is going to have a great game every week, and no player is going to have a great game every week. So to hear that from Tyler Boyd, to say that, okay, it's fine that these other guys are getting the ball more and that they're making plays, but they're scoring touchdowns and they're getting super long uh, catches when they do. So I think it's fine with me. So that's awesome to see. And I think maybe in a year or two we could see all three of these guys have a 1,000-yard season in the same season. That's how good these guys are. And they all have the capability of doing it. It's just a matter of um, is Joe Burrow going to spread the ball out enough to these guys because he has so many weapons. Um that it's going to be tough for all these guys to get 1,000 yards. All right, Bengals and Browns, Sunday, 1 o'clock. You can watch the game on CBS. Jim Nance, Tony Romo, and Tracy Wolfson on the call. So the number one game on CBS this week, of course, you can hear the game live on ESPN 1530, 1027WEBN, and 700WLW. Dan Horde, Dave Lapham with the call beginning at 1130. Wayne Box-Miller, of course, will join them for the pregame halftime and postgame shows. And uh, pregame coverage begins at 9 a.m. on ESPN 1530 and 700 WLW with pregame sports talk live from the Holy Grail. Ken Brew 
and Tony Pike ahead of the Bengals and Browns. The Battle of Ohio. Cleveland has swept the series two of the last three seasons, but they were very close games last year. The Bengals scoring 30 or more points in both of those games. Another thing, too, Justin, to keep in mind, the Bengals have scored 30 or more points in each of their previous three games coming on the road. That is something I think that we need to be excited about, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it just shows the progression. And, um, you know, I think they'll definitely play in the Bengals' advantage. So I think this will be a very good test for the Bengals um, to see where they're at as far as the Browns because we've seen that we could beat the Ravens and the Steelers, but do you have that mental fortitude to overcome the struggles that you've had against the Browns the past few years and beat them at home? And that's and it all goes back to the progress this team has made. If they win, it continues. If they don't, then it hits a screeching halt, if you ask me. Keys to the game. Uh, Justin, we'll get to those as we start to wrap things up here. Keys to the game, I think, number one, first and foremost, protect the franchise. We've seen Miles Garrett. Uh, was it? I, I'm trying to remember, Justin, uh, if it was him or another defensive lineman on the Browns last year who shoved a white glove in his face when he got sacked. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to see that again. So protect the franchise, number one. Number two, stop the run. First, plain and simple, when you play the Browns, stop the run, make Baker Mayfield throw the ball, especially throw the ball down the field. And then number three, get T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd involved. The Browns are going to come in with a plan to somehow defend Jamar Chase. Get Boyd and Higgins involved. They had great games against the Browns last season. They should have great games against them this season. And number four, pressure Baker Mayfield. Make him throw the ball down the field. Don't do what you did against Mike White last week when you made things as easy as possible for him. No. Baker's banged up. Don't play soft because of it. Be aggressive defensively. Justin, what are your keys to the game? Similar to yours. I mean, my first two are the exact same. You know, number one, protect the franchise. That's obvious. You're going against, like I said, about three times so far this shows. You're going against the best pass rusher in the NFL and Miles Garrett. Ten and a half sacks this year. That's insane. Um, so protect Joe Burrow. He's gotten absolutely beaten up by Miles Garrett so far in only uh, one season that he's played against him. So don't want to see that happen. Number two, stop the run. Nick Chubb, one of the best running backs in the entire NFL over the past few seasons. Um, you know, you don't have that dynamic duo of him and Kareem Hunt uh, out there, but Nick Chubb can do it on his own. And they're going to given him a plenty, uh, plenty of carries uh, due to Baker Mayfield's injury. So stop the run. And then number three is get CJ. I say this almost every show. Is get CJ Uzama more involved in the pass game. We've seen what he can do in the pass game. Um, you know, he had that amazing game against the Jaguars. Um, he follows it up with a two-touchdown game against the Ravens a couple games later. Um, so we've seen what he can do. He's a very, very good tight end, but it's just a matter of getting the ball in his hands. Because they all know that they have Jamar Chase. The Browns know that the Bengals have T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon. But when you can be unpredictable and throw it to your tight end, C.J. Uzama, who can make a few guys miss like we've seen, um, again, in that Ravens game and the Jaguars game and mm -hmm. score touchdowns, then that's really is what, what is going to make this offense the best in the NFL and what's really is what's going to make this offense unpredictable and score a lot of points. By the way, C.J. Uzama, ready for this? 21 receptions on 23 targets. The connection between Burrow and Uzama is incredibly accurate. In fact, Uzama has caught all 12 of his targets over the last four games. And he, he's making an impact. 21 receptions, 289 yards, and five touchdowns through eight games. He's on pace to have over, over 40 receptions, probably around 44, maybe 45. And 
as far as yards, he's going to be up around 600. And touchdowns at this rate, he's going to be around 10. So you talk about a productive season from a tight end who has been a mainstay in this organization for years. Now he's playing meaningful football on a winning team. Give him major, major credit. Um, players to watch uh, for the Bengals. I, um, as far as my players to watch, I'm going to go with the tackles on the offensive line because you don't know where Miles Garrett's going to line up or Jadavion Clowney for that matter. Um, defensively for the Bengals, I'm going to go with Logan Wilson. And his, you know, he was great against Lamar Jackson in the Ravens run game. Can he be that way again in this game? For the Browns offensively, it's, I, I would say, I mean, there's so many that you can choose from. I feel like with the offensive line, I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield because he has struggled the last few games. And then defensively, it's clearly uh, Miles Garrett. But I'd also, I would also say they're secondary. John, I would also say they're secondary. Whoever's playing, how they defend Jamar Chase. Your players to watch? Definitely. I, I'm just saying the linebackers for the Bengals defense, Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, Keem Davis, Gaither, after having such a terrible game uh, against the Jets, giving up, like I said earlier, a million yards after the catch. I'm just playing definitely their worst game of the year by far. The linebackers are going to be the guys who are really going to make this defense go because if you can't stop the run game, then you're in for a long day. And Nick Chubb is not going to take it easy on you. So you really have to make sure you stop the run first. And that's really is what is what is going to stop the pass game later on in the game. Um, offensively, I'm going to say it's Jonah Williams because he's going against the key player for the Browns, Miles Garrett. And like we've seen the past two years, like we've mentioned, so far in the show is that Miles Garrett has had absolute domination over Joe Burrow and Jonah Williams the past uh, couple of seasons. So Jonah Williams really needs to have his best game of the year so far against Miles Garrett. And Miles Garrett is going to be my key player to watch on defense because he is just an absolute game wrecker. You might think that you have a great game plan going in and that Miles Garrett just absolutely destroys it. No chance. Um, not only can he get after the quarterback, he can hit down balls. He just has and then incredible length um his arms are just super long i uh, can knock down balls and bat them down and maybe get interceptions so he's just so dynamic on defense and then for offense um i'm gonna say it's jarvis landry because how is he gonna respond to odell beckham being gone and how is he gonna respond to having that wide receiver one um tag back on his name we'll see and he's obviously been injured a little bit so far this year and i think he's questionable to play on sunday but if he does play um, can he be that wide receiver one for Cleveland like they like he was when they signed him in 2018? We'll see. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, but um, you know, I think it'll be a very good game. I think it will too. Final question before our, our predictions: This game comes down to what, Justin? Can the Bengals stop the run? Because we saw they they couldn't last week. We saw that they could against the Ravens, who a team that is one of the best rushing teams in the NFL. You could stop them, but you couldn't stop the run against um, Mike White in the Jets. You couldn't make tackles. You kept breaking, or you were a very, very bad tackling team that day. That just makes no sense. Um, I think Zach Taylor said they had like 15 missed tackles against the Jets. That is unacceptable. So the key to this game is stopping the run, because if you can force Baker Mayfield to throw, then that's fine with me, because obviously he's hurt. Missing Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry's hurt, Donovan Peoples-Jones is on the injury list. So even if they do play, they're a little banged up. So make Baker Mayfield throw, and then you're going to be in for a good day on defense to the Bengals. I agree with that, especially because last year when the Browns were forced to throw the ball in the second half in the game here in Cincinnati, the Bengals secondary was not equipped to handle that. 
they are, I think, this year with Von Bell, Jesse Bates, Shadobia Wuzier, Eli Apple. Can't believe I mentioned his name in there, but he's been playing better recently. Um, Mike Hilton, they're much better equipped. Game predictions. Justin, you're up first. I think, like I said, it'll be a tough game. It'll be a good game. Um, as much as I want to say that I feel the Bengals can rebound from last week's loss and play better on defense, which I know they can, um, I think they'll have a much, much better game against the Browns offense than they did against the Jets because not only um, are they going up against a guy in Baker Mayfield who they've played the last few seasons, they're familiar with, they know his tendencies, but they have Larry Ogunjobi, a guy who's played against him in practice every single day for the last however many seasons before coming to Cincinnati, so they have a very good defensive advantage. Um, I do think Joe Burrow will you know, come back and lead this offense to a high-scoring game. Um, I think it will be a high-scoring game, but I just I don't know what it is. I just cannot pick the Bengals to win this game. For some reason, I don't know what it is in me. I think Kevin Stefanski is going to have this team ready despite all the OBJ distractions so far this week. I think uh, they're still a very, very talented team. And the Browns have just had the Bengals number the last couple of seasons. And I don't know what it is, but I just have to pick the Browns 31 to 30. Ooh, ooh, that's good. Um, Here's the thing. I understand because the Bengals haven't beaten the Browns in, what, really, two years. So there is that. But to me, when I think about this game, I just think the Bengals are the better team. I think they're... The more connected team, I think they're the more talented team, if you ask me, especially on offense. Defensively, I can make a case they are too. And I just feel like the Browns, they're not in the right mindset. OBJ got released today. I mean, the game's in just over 48 hours. So you can say the Browns are going to have this great game plan. I think the Bengals are going to come in pissed off from last week. I think Joe Burrow's going to have a great day. I'll say he's going to have about 280 to 320 yards passing, three touchdown passes. I think Joe Mixon gets going offensively, and I think this Bengals team is going to be better. I think Cleveland is not in the right mindset. I could be wrong, but my gut tells me right now the Bengals win this game 27 to 20. I'd say that's that's fair. I mean, I, I, I completely understand why. Picking the Bengals is where you're going. Uh, I think it could go either way for me, but at the end of the day, um, I think Kevin Stefanski is a better coach than Zach Taylor. Um, I think the Browns, for whatever it is, for whatever reason it may be, they just have the Bengals number, and uh, they always seem to play their best football no matter what um, going against the Bengals. And even though they do have that super extensive injury report, I think a lot of those guys will end up playing, and uh, it'll, Cleveland will be just fine. That's been the case as of late, but Zach Taylor's already beaten Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh who we knew or we still know are much more better and are much better and more accomplished coach than Zach Taylor. But Taylor's beating them both this season, both on the road. Maybe he can do the same, excuse me, against Kevin Stefanski on Sunday. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening. Justin and I will be back next week to recap the game and uh, enjoy the bye week. So for Justin Cashman, I'm Alex Frank. This has been the Welcome to the Jungle Podcast Week 9 Preview Edition. The Bengals and the Browns. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you very soon.